Hello, Experiment Nation. This is Interviews with Experimenters. I'm Tracy Laranjo, and I want to help you become a better experimenter by asking experts the silly questions so you don't have to. On the show today, we have Helsinki-based growth marketer and curious generalist Petra Lulander. Petra's love for process and documentation brought her to developing an experimentation sprint model at Ivan, a SaaS company that manages data infrastructures in the cloud. Keep listening for insight into the working pieces of her experimentation process and how she encourages teams to care about the lesser hyped elements like documentation. Here's Petra. Hi, Petra. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am great. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Yes. Oh, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So where are you based out of? Uh, In Helsinki, Finland. What's the uh, what's the time there right now? I know we have quite a uh, time zone difference. Yeah, it's four, so it's actually perfect. Wow. Yeah, I'm at nine a.m. right now, so we're definitely in different parts of the world for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great. Well, great to have you on the show. Uh, I've read a bit about your history, and um, it's been very interesting to see, uh, particularly in the realm of process and documentation, which are two favorite pieces of uh, program management of of my own but yeah. I would love to have our listeners learn more about you yeah so I've always been the kind of person that I've always been curious and interested in a lot of things and also I have very different have have had very different kinds of marketing roles and so I've done design I've done performance marketing I've worked with web sales and uh, and on a lot of strategy, strategy for sure. So um, there's, there, I've been like in very multiple and versatile roles. And um, I think one thing that has been common for all the roles has been kind of the data and analytics and always like measuring the impact of different efforts. So, so and then when like inbound and content marketing and a bit later growth marketing, these terms and, and ways of doing started to also come here to here to Nordics and Finland. I really kind of thought that this is the way I want to do marketing. And also I realized that there is actually way more career possibilities also in this area, rather if I had stayed all in, in traditional marketing. So then I also worked in some agencies in between and learned how to do customer interviews and did quite a lot of those and learned how to build content strategies for, for customers. So I think in, growth marketing and experimentation it's really good to have this kind of uh, versatile experience from different things and i think in this role i can really utilize all that knowledge yeah a lot of our guests uh on the podcast they have gotten into their experimentation roles usually with a whole lot of different marketing experience i don't know how you could possibly do growth or experimentation without having done all of the other different types of marketing and digital marketing so that makes total sense that uh, this is where your path has led you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I was offered this chance to jump to Ivan and do the experimentation and and start developing the process. So I was like really excited and thought that I really need to see see how this how and where this gets me. So yeah. Awesome. Now you mentioned that you're really interested in the analytics side. Uh, of growth and experimentation, but are there any experiments that excite you in particular? 
Yeah, I think it's a, it's a tough question, but I think the most fun part and interesting um, in experimentation is uh, in general that there's, there can be so very different kinds of experiments. But for me, I think uh, the most interesting ones are those that are kind of outside the box or when we're doing something crazy or funny or like, I think those are just very interesting where you don't actually know what's the outcome of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would have to say that. Yeah, that's great. I, I also find like in my in my own job in in conversion optimization, often it's the tests that are the most out there that I get the most excited about. And even when the results don't necessarily pan out how I had thought it might, yeah. uh, you know, my colleagues ask, like, are you surprised? Are you surprised? And I'm like, no, like, I, I can't expect any certain outcome. It's just it's it's all learning what's actually going to work and the fun of it. So yeah, that sounds like very similar to, we, we have a very similar approach there. Okay, great. So uh, I'm very interested in learning more about uh, the process and documentation that you've rolled out at Ivan. Uh, you mentioned that you've developed the two-week sprint model for Ivan's acquisition experimentation process. I'm really interested in, in sharing with our listeners what that entails. So uh, where did that experimentation process come from? What was your process of developing it? Um, Yeah, just at a very high level. uh, Tell us a bit about that process that you built. Yeah, so when I joined, there wasn't really any process. So they had done some experiments, but the process was still missing. So I think we just had some discussions and based on the how how our team was and other processes in the company and also how I expected the experiments to be, I thought that the yeah, two-week sprint model could could work for us. Um, but of course, it's, it was just a guess like maybe it wouldn't work or I, I wouldn't know until we, we, would, we would try it. So mm-hmm. we just started doing the two-week sprint process in very early, early weeks when I joined. And... Uh, I think it has actually worked quite well, so we are we are still doing the same same two week uh, sp- uh, sprint model. And what comes to the team, uh, we have a core team uh, that consists of a performance marketer, content marketer, a UX designer, developer that also implements the experiments, and then a growth analyst that helps to analyze the results. And of course, these people also do other things, so they are not only doing experimentation. I'm Um, very jealous that you have this many people (laughs) on hand to help you experiment. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm very on my own uh, with that uh, a lot of the time. So I'm definitely envious of you right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's super great to have this specialist for different areas for sure. So yeah. Great. Now you've told us a bit about the people involved. Um, what does documentation look like with this process? Same with with meetings. What's the frequency there, and and what are the documents that you keep updated as part of this process? Yeah, so I'm I'm really obsessed over documentation. I would say that I'm I'm kind of the, that kind of person. I really do love that, and I see the 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 importance of that. But uh, if I continue, uh, like uh, start from the meetings, what we have, so we have this. Um, a joint res- retrospective uh, sprint planning meeting every two weeks. That's usually one hour, and there we discuss about the past two weeks, what we've done, and share some learnings, give a little feedback to each other, 
and then see what's coming in the next two weeks. So what do we start to plan to produce in the next two weeks? And then always on the week between, we have a shorter meeting, Scrum, where we just take a short look on the ongoing experiments and see if there some, are some, some surprises or bottlenecks on the production and then make sure that we're just all on the same page. Like, of course, we could do this, this shorter meeting only like in Slack, ASRM closely, but I still feel it's good to have even a short discussion also bi-weekly mm-hmm. so that just, just to check we're all on the same page. This model is only for production. This is a question that I get a lot. So uh, after this kind of production cycle, we then usually try to launch the experiments as well as soon as possible. But of course, always it needs some juggling, like what can we actually launch and when. So I am all about documentation. I know we, we've kind of chatted about it a little bit. Um, this is one piece that I find is one of the easier parts of developing an experimentation program up front, but it takes a lot of work to maintain documents. Um, in terms of, of Ivan's experimentation process, what are the specific documents that, that you've built to keep all your learnings recorded, um, all of your processes documented? Uh, yeah, just those specific artifacts that, that you work with. Yeah, I think um, one of the the most important documents that we have each the experiment doc that we call that we do for each experiment so that's just on on google docs uh, and we have a template for it and it consists of like all the things that we need to know from the experiment when after a week or month or a year we have to go back and see what what we actually did and why so that has everything from the background data. There can be some diagrams or different data sources listed, hypothesis, prediction, learning objectives, metrics, test setup, all the way to the results and the next steps. So it's usually like this three-page long document mm-hmm. or something that has it, has it all because I've noticed that I don't even remember after two days that what did I actually had in mind because there's so many experiments running or, or in planning so you just don't remember which one was which so you have to have a really proper documentation on each experiment and of course the other people have the questions as well my boss can ask like why 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 did we do this so I can always refer to the document so I found it really really useful. Awesome. Um, This is actually a question that I'm really curious about. Whenever you wrap up an experiment, do you um, write up any additional sort of analyses in like uh, a Google slide or anything like that so that you can share it out with the rest of uh, the organization? Or do you kind of just keep it limited to um, the results sheet uh, that you share out with your internal experimentation team? Yeah, so actually... um like I told about the two-week sprint model before. And besides that, we have um, uh, these, these other meetings. So for the ideation meetings, for example, we also invite other people. So there can be more people from the product side or from the content side. And also when we do these debriefings, so I usually do this debriefing uh, slides for, for each experiment. So for those eight meetings as well, I might invite uh, like uh, more people who might be interested about the learnings. So, yeah, for sure those learnings can be something that and, and should be interesting for, for many people in the organization. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I always force myself to 
after an experiment wraps up, I'll always write up um, a, a spreadsheet report, maybe like three slides max uh, on on learnings and then maybe one or two slides on the actual raw results. And I, I think there are definitely some team members who maybe don't look at it or care much about it. And they probably even wonder like, why are you putting so much time into analyzing this? It was just one small test, but it's partially selfish reasons because like you said, like I forget these yeah. tests that we've run. I forget what we learned from it. I forget like what just I, I many times I forget the ID of the test that I'm running. There's just so many things going on at once. So it kind of forces you to actually sit down and take time to just look at the results and, and think about the next steps, thinking about the future iterations, thinking about, um, you know, what new ideas came out of this test that yeah, are going to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that and also I do find like the leadership team does take a particular interest in in these quick slide decks. I don't often have access to people um, at those levels of the org. So if they can have just a, a small sample of what the, the experimentation program is producing, I'm very happy to give out those samples. Yeah. And usually uh, leaders want to see the numbers and the results. So, <laughs> yes, definitely. And also, those debriefings has been have been also one learning. So first, I used to do like uh, like twenty slides slides, uh, including uh, <laughs> debriefing debriefing materials. And now I just for the previous one, I just put them all into two slides. So yeah. Yes. Don't make them too long because that's also might be a bit boring for others to hear all the things you discovered from this one. Yes. As with process, I'm sure you find that you just kind of have to get something out there to start and then you really learn as you go what needs to be tweaked um, and you just you just really iterate on, on everything that you're doing when you develop a process. Yeah. What did you learn uh, as you started refining your process? I know you mentioned it's still a bit... Uh, like early in its maturity, but uh, yeah, there has to be some stuff that you've learned al along the way. Yeah, so we started like from scratch and I had never done anything like this before. And I think nobody in the team had done exactly the same then. So we had very fundamental, bigger learnings that we got in the early days. So just to like understand like how, what should the agenda even be for these meetings and how do we actually ideate around this topic? Should we have some sort of meetings for these? And, and also the scoring and all the very basic things that we just had to start some with something and then uh, then tune it on the way so i think in the first months we really did big leaps when we when when we realized that this doesn't work or how what do we actually have to do and i think now we're in a good phase after eight nine months that we have kind of the basic process in a quite good state but yeah the first months were really like learning the very basics of the whole process yeah great now, I, personally, I, I love process. I love documentation. It's often seen as kind of like the least sexy parts of a program. Everyone just wants to test, test, test. And that's really about it. But how, how do you get your team uh, to care about documentation and process? Yeah, I think um, 
they have quite well understood the meaning of documentation because yeah because i'm very obsessed about it and i make sure that they they see all the things i'm doing and sharing and they have found it very useful so they always know where to go and look for things uh like what is happening with this experiment or what's happening next so i just try to lead with example in a way like that that that, that i hope that people feel, will follow in a way and always every time there's some situation where we see really the benefit i try to yeah show the show that to them and remind all the time that hey look look that this happened because we had uh, documented this so well or whatever so yeah that's basically what I'm what I'm trying to do. This is a question that I've never asked anyone, but I feel like you're the perfect person to ask this. <laughs> I've been told in the past that I am way too process oriented, but in my mind, I'm like, how can a, an experimenter be too process oriented? I don't understand this. Do you think it's possible for an experimenter to be too process oriented? Yeah, it was a good question. I, I had to stop and really think about it. Like, yeah, can, can it be? <laughs> so so I, I thought, I think that, well, I'd say no. Uh, but because I think like if there wasn't a good process for these kind of things where you have like, I don't know, so many tiny things or moving parts, you couldn't keep track of all the things you've done and all, of all the learnings and how to scale the learnings. And for sure, that is also a part where I think we have also uh, still a way to go. How we actually, what is the process, how we can actually start spreading the word and sharing the learnings with the larger team and with, with even with the, in the whole company. So I think there are things we're learning that sales team should, should know or customer success should know. So that is still a process that or an area what needs a process for, for sure. That's great. So I will just tell that person who told that to me that they're wrong and I will pass them this episode and specifically timestamp this question. Yeah. And I think like the more you do, the more you need processes. If you're not doing yeah. something very often, of course, then you don't need. But every every time you get your, your, you have more things going on, then the process will definitely help you. Absolutely. I do want to ask you a bit about prioritization. It's such an important part of of experimentation process, but a lot of people I find in in my experience forget about it. Uh, they think like, oh yeah, we're just throwing ideas into a list and then we'll go with whatever one that you know came from the person with the loudest voice or the biggest title uh, and just roll with that. And that's just kind of how the experiment pipeline keeps coming in. Uh, but I'm sure you have some sort of prioritization process uh, in your uh, experimentation program. Uh, do you have any frameworks that have worked best for you for prioritizing experiments? And if so, uh, which ones? Yeah, so one of the learnings actually uh, that I could mention from the process was that like to start the scoring in the very early early days because very soon we just started with something and we actually got the question then that but why are we doing this rather than this other thing so i'd say that start to somehow to prioritize and score the experiments as soon as possible if, if you're new mm -hmm. to the process so we also started with very simple this ice model which is probably mm -hmm. very familiar for most of the listeners yes so we but we've modified it a bit on the way so we will we'll, for example added this kind of wow factor there that if 
if we all agree that the, this crazy or somehow very like nice idea uh, is something that we all agree we can that and that would override the scores we haven't yet yet had that many of those because mm -hmm. people tend to be very data driven so mm -hmm. these kind of ideas maybe aren't always that data driven but yeah and then um besides that like we also also then always think like is this some the idea is it uh, related to our current okrs at the moment if it's not then we are not gonna do that at that mo moment yeah and another thing we have done is that the effort part is only scored by those who actually know how to do it so i don't think it's useful for for a content person for example to try to figure out how much development time this takes so we've also done this modification to the model <clears throat> but actually really at the moment we're just tuning the model and really changing it so that it would remove as much the personal opinions as possible because uh, usually like when you with the ICE model it still gives a lot of room for opinions mm -hmm. so now we're just trying to make a scoring model that is very like yes or no answers or one or zero or two one or zero as a score so mm -hmm. that would be just way more clearer and then maybe even not everyone would have to even score it so that could even then uh, save some time for people so let's see how it works out but i think it's starting to look quite good yeah i do find that that um that subjectivity piece uh, in the ICE framework is definitely prevalent. I've, I've tried a few different frameworks and um, I've, I currently use the PXL uh, yeah. prioritization framework. I don't know if you've used it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's definitely less subjective, but there are definitely times that I find it misses out on kind of what you were talking about, that wow factor. Um, yeah. It does miss out on quite a bit of nuance. So I think a big takeaway for listeners is, you know, if, if you're using a prioritization framework and it's not necessarily working for you in all the all the right ways, you can just modify it and and see what works best for your team. Yep, definitely. And yeah, I've also used the PXL model as a, as a benchmark. There's a lot of good things. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody throws ideas out there. I'm sure you have a lot of, of team members who um, love to share, oh, I saw this example on a website that I follow. Can we try this? Um, and so they get excited about those ideas. But how do you empower your team to actively contribute toward the idea backlog and get them to be a little more methodical about, about the ideas that they're bringing to the table? So instead of just, uh, oh, I think this would be a cool idea. How do you get those um, more like data-backed ideas in the backlog? Yeah, that is a good question. Well, one thing that we have is that uh, we have this form that people can fill and then it forces kind of you to think all the steps necessary mm -hmm. so that you can just throw your idea and then it might be something that we, it's a great idea, but we can't actually experiment on it. Mm -hmm. So there are a few steps kind of that people should be thinking, but I've been also like sometimes that that doesn't work because people see it like it's like too much effort and of course we mm -hmm. would like to keep, make them to give their ideas so sometimes if people has an idea I'll just take a one to one with them and then discuss yeah. about it and write down the things and ask the necessary questions like to, to really form the hypothesis there or like what what is the data that you have to back this up or something so mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, and then we have also this kind of ideation meetings uh, that are sometimes hard to arrange in a way that you would actually get good ideas. But we've also had, have done a lot of experimentation with these and done different kind of meetings. But but for the, from those, then we, we gather ideas and discuss about those. So from there, we actually get a uh, get good amount of ideas. But it requires some pre-work from me and from others as well to really get something out of those meetings. But, but yeah. Yeah. That pre-work, I find, is so necessary. It doesn't sound particularly fun for anyone who just wants to, you know, have their idea heard. But it's so important to actually have that because it really forces people to start thinking about like, what is the reason behind this idea that I'm pitching? Is it just because I saw something shiny and flashy? Or is it because I'm seeing something in my day to day that's telling me, oh, we have maybe um, a solution to a particular problem going on. So for example, if I'm in customer support, and I see a lot of complaints about a particular um, page experience, I definitely would want to hear from CX about those particular things, maybe less so than, yeah, again, like I saw an online retailer try this, because I'm going to be asking all the tough questions. I'm going to be asking like, okay, what data do you have to support this? Have you seen this in Google Analytics? Have you seen this in Hotjar? And then usually when you start to see the pieces kind of come together where they're like, okay, this this idea is going to be very low on the list of prioritization unless of course it's like a very quick and easy copy change or it does have that like you said that wow factor yeah and uh, of course I, we don't we don't want our backlog to be just full filled with ideas that we can't actually do so that mm-hmm. doesn't serve anybody so for sure and yeah i think like also on the note of um just vetting an idea if it can't be put into a hypothesis statement that Uh, forces you to say like because if there's no because other than oh I just saw it and I want to I want to try it I think it's cool usually those ideas like they start to lose their um their power a little bit yep exactly definitely I have learned that the hard way as well I am not the most concise person at times so it's definitely it takes a lot of practice to get there (laughs) yeah great Well, uh, I'm actually ready to start transitioning into our lightning round. So uh, in this uh, piece, I'm just going to kind of ask you a bunch of quick questions and um, feel free to make your response as long or as short as you'd like. Yes. So first question, describe Petra in five words or less. Mm, I'd say curious, uh, empathetic, nature lover. Uh, process oriented and I do think I have a good sense of humor you definitely do (laughs) yeah those are all great qualities in in an experimenter yeah now are you test to win or test to learn I'd have to say very much test to learn yes I am with you on that one Now, what is, I know you're a, a, a flea market fan. I'm very yeah. curious. What is the best thing that you've found at a flea market? Yeah, I'm also curious. Where did you find that information? But <laughs> yeah, Listen, I would have. <laughs> I'm a serious journalist here. <laughs> you've done your research. I have. 
yeah so i think yeah very many but in general i'd have to say that something that is total trash for the seller and i find it as a big treasure treasure and probably this also means that i can get it very cheap so that those are the best findings i love it and then last question is who should we interview next this was a tough one as, as well but i i i think uh person called Elena Verna, uh, he, she calls herself as a growth hobbyist in LinkedIn. And I think she has some nice things going on and she, she shares some interesting posts. So I would really like to hear more from her. Amazing. Yeah, I'll reach out. Great. So we're just about uh, at time. So I uh, would love to connect you with the rest of our listeners or, or have them find a way to get a hold of you. Uh, how can people find you? Well, I, I try to be active on LinkedIn, so that's probably the best place. Or also the Experimentation Slack channel has been quite good. So I'm always willing to talk with people with the same topics. So just reach me out if you have any questions or just want to chat about the experimentation. So I'm all, all in for that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Petra. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. This was awesome. Hi, this is Romeo, founder of Experiment Nation. If you liked this episode, then consider signing up to our bi-weekly newsletter, where we share great interviews like this, editorials, memes, and other great content. You can subscribe at experimentnation.com forward slash newsletter.